Once upon a morning, there was a freshly brewed McCafe coffee. It was made with 100% Arabica beans, yet something was missing. Fear not, in the distance, a sausage McMuffin with egg rides toward the sunrise in quest for breakfast. The perfect pair met at McDonald's, and mornings were happy forever after. Right now, get a $1 small coffee and a $2 sausage McMuffin with egg from the $1-2-3 menu. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Welcome to another edition of the Streaking Lawn Podcast. As usual, my name is Pierce, and as usual, I've got Caroline with me. Caroline, how's it going? Hey. Hey. Not too much. Do you want to introduce our super special guests? I do. I am very excited. Uh, we reached out and we were able to secure one of the hosts of arguably the hottest college basketball podcast <laughs> now um you've probably heard him talking about stuff with mark titus on the ringers podcast one shining podcast we have tate frazier here with us tonight i'm super stoked tate how are you i'm doing great guys i i appreciate that intro i love that you called it the hottest college basketball podcast i don't know how many college basketball podcasts we're actually in competition with but we'll take it whatever at least whatever positive spin you want to put on it we'll take it it's been i mean and we've joked previously on our podcast and I know we've had conversations with Titus and Titus has been and by that I mean UVA fans have harassed him on Twitter um, <laughs> about how nice it is to hear nice things about your team so I think automatically by virtue of literally saying like hey that DeAndre Hunter is pretty good like four weeks ago you got like a lot of UVA fans so it'll be pretty uh, well received here Good. I'm glad. I, I uh, it's, it's a weird situation because when I grew up, I, you know, Virginia was a team that I always not, not disliked, but, you know, you were supposed to not like them. You know, I grew up a North Carolina fan from North Carolina, but I actually am from Henderson, North Carolina, which is uh, right on the Virginia border. So I actually had a lot of people uh, in my hometown that liked Virginia and were Virginia <laughs> fans. And uh, a lot of people from Richmond, I almost moved to Richmond when I was younger. So I have a lot of, you know, there's like a little bit inside of me that always pulls for UVA. And uh, right. since Tony Bennett came to town, you know, it, it's hard not to like this team and everything they're doing. That's a long argument here. Yes, I'm pandering to the audience, as you can tell. That, that's why we're here. <laughs> and we will just eat it up. It's fine. Yeah. It's fantastic. Um, I just did the same thing when he was on. <laughs> yeah. What, um... So how did you kind of get your, when were you at UNC? Like, what was your vibe? Like, what was the team like while you were there? And like, how were you a huge yeah. basketball fan? Did you go to all the games? Like all that stuff? Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I'll give a little background. So um, I grew up, I am like the youngest in my family. I have an older brother that both went to Carolina. My mom went to North Carolina. She was there for uh, the 1982 title. She was a senior when North Carolina won, uh, when Jordan hit the shot. Um, and that, that's her biggest claim to fame. And then my brother went there uh, from 2007 to 2011. So he was there in 2009 when North Carolina won the title. And then I was there from 2011 to 2015. So I was there when they did not win anything. Uh, and they were under NCAA cloud the entire time. Um, but my first year was uh, James Michael McAdoo's first year. We, we were good buddies when we came in at the same time. We actually had C-Top together. 
so we've stayed friends, you know, since then, since he went to Golden State and everything. And, uh, you know, my run at Carolina was the 2012 year, the year that uh, Kendall Marshall actually broke his wrist. And that is how I got into the media business because, uh, you know, it was, it was told to me that Kendall Marshall was not going to play in the Elite Eight game against Kansas. I was working for a radio station at the time. I was, uh, you know, an aspiring broadcaster. I wanted to get in sports. I wanted to, to write and do all this sort of stuff. And, uh, you know, I was told that Kendall was not going to play. It had, it had not been reported at the time when I was told. And obviously, you know, it took me like two hours to really get over the fact that Kendall was not going to play and I was going to have to watch Stillman White play against that Kansas team. But beside all that, I, uh, I realized that was an opportunity to get a scoop um, to do my Adam Schefter, and uh, I put it out there. I reached out to Inside Carolina, a place that later employed me, and I told them that I had own good word that uh, Kendall Marshall was not going to play in the Elite Eight game. They obviously did not believe me primarily, uh, so they fact-checked uh, and reached out to Kendall's dad, Dennis Marshall. He confirmed that Kendall would not play in the game, and uh, that was pretty much how I got my uh, – that's how I got into the whole business. And, you know, that sad day of my life watching Stillman White try to beat uh, Kansas to no avail actually led to to my whole media career. So um, as sad as it was, it was at the time, it, it actually worked out. So um, that's pretty much my, my big story. And then from there, you know, left North Carolina and drove straight out to Los Angeles to work at ESPN at Grantland for Bill Simmons. And uh, Bill Simmons, you know, left ESPN and I went with him when he left. And, you know, now I'm at the ringer doing a podcast, talking to you guys, having a good time. So not too shabby. Yeah, absolutely. And and you've started off having our first Carolina person on, on the podcast by bringing up two Virginians who went to play for UNC, which is mm-hmm. you know a, a great subject we could talk for hours <laughs> probably about. Um, so I'll start off. Why didn't you guys let us have Ronald Curry? <laughs> that is a great question. Ronald Curry is uh, – I had a Ronald Curry. Julius, Pepper, Julius uh, Peppers and Ronald Curry are probably my two favorite – North Carolina players, uh, you know, in 2001, that team, they were awesome. They were so much fun. And Ronald Curry, I mean, he was Michael Vick before. He actually beat Michael Vick, I think, in in, uh, in his state championship game. I may be remembering that wrong. I'm sure the, the Virginia people will tell me that. But uh, Ronald Curry was unbelievable. Uh, he's probably the most talented person I've ever seen on a basketball court and just a natural athlete. I, I'm all about Ronald Curry. I'm sorry he left. Uh, I think he's from Hampton, right? Not Newport News. He's from Hampton. But uh, yes. yeah, when he left to come to North Carolina, that was that was a huge plus for me mm-hmm. and my whole family. We we all love Ronald Curry. Oof. Some people uh, float out there that that Vic would have been recruited by Welsh at UVA had Curry just mm-hmm. gone ahead and committed to UNC instead of committing to UVA first. So he's the worst. Um, but, you know. I'm sorry about that. If if I could rewrite history, <laughs> a, a similar thing a similar thing actually happened uh, to North Carolina with Russell Wilson. It, it oh was, yeah. Uh, same sort of thing. Uh, we, Mike Paulus committed to North Carolina. Uh, most people thought he was going to go to Duke, obviously because of Greg Paulus. Mm-hmm. He committed to North Carolina, and uh, and that led to Russell Wilson not getting a scholarship. And the rest is history. Russell Wilson went to NC State, which is the Virginia Tech to Virginia. Yep. Same thing. And, uh, you know, we both missed out. I'm sorry yeah, about that. Yeah, our coach at the time didn't think Russell was deserving of an offer. So, um, <laughs> I mean, we yeah, I could go on and on about uh, our terrible recruiting mishaps, but uh, let's talk about contemporary UVA sports because we're good at basketball, and that's, uh, that's very exciting. Our our fan base is still, I think, having trouble 
dealing with it. I know they are having trouble dealing with it as seen by their, uh, how they behave on Twitter. Um, but I, I remember um, Titus, your co-host uh, for your podcast has referenced it a bunch that UVA fans are very panicked about success uh, because they're waiting for the other shoe to drop. And I, as a lifelong Wahoo, am fully in that boat. Uh, and, and so w- when is that shoe going to drop, in your opinion? <laughs> I, <laughs> I hesitate to say because I thought 2015 was – that was probably my favorite mm-hmm. Virginia team um, with Justin Anderson – and, and that whole squad, the Parentes, you know, Gill, uh, that that whole, you know, group of guys that they had at Virginia, I thought that team was really going to do something. They got screwed in the seating, having to take on Michigan State, who, you know, does the usual thing where they act like they're not that good, but then when tournament time comes on, they, they, <laughs> they somehow all come together at once and, and figure it out. Um, but I, I really like the team that they have this year, and I think that the difference is, the problem with UVA is never going to be defense. Uh, we know that. I think they're <laughs> still the number one scoring defense in the country. Um, the thing that seems to bog them down in the tournament is when they need buckets and they need someone to score, for whatever reason, it just doesn't click, and it seems like mm-hmm. a panic situation. I know last year London had a tough time basically having to create offense by himself. A little bit of what Joel Berry's doing at Carolina this year. Yeah. He, he yeah. just has to figure everything out for everyone. Um, but the, the, the difference now with Hall and Guy – and Jerome and Hunter off the bench. Um, I just think with those four guys, at least two of those guys are going to be able to turn it on. I always believe in Ty Jerome. The guy has the confidence <laughs> of, you know, Kobe Bryant. I mean, he's just a killer. And I, I think that's why I really do believe in this team. And right. I don't know if you guys, if you guys have seen the backlash about UVA, uh, you know, a lot of Carolina, Duke, NC State, all these fans, they want to talk about the strength of schedule. And I think it's yep. like 69, 68, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, obviously people want to point to that and that's why the seven and oh, star or eight and oh, start in conference. Isn't that great because of the strength of schedule, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, yada, yada. But I, I do think this team is different. I think that Tony Bennett is, I think he understands that it's for the long haul. I think at first he had to make a statement that they were a team, uh, in the ACC to be reckoned with. And I think they've, you know, they're well past that point now, mm-hmm. um, and, and now, you know, it's not about the ACC tournament as much as Duke wants you to think. It's about the ACC tournament. It's about the regular <laughs> season. And, uh, and Virginia is really handling their business. So I, I really do think this year I, w- I would be shocked if they are not the last ACC team standing in the tournament. I would say that. All right. Yeah, that's terrifying. Um, <laughs> yeah, I probably shouldn't say that here. You guys, that may come back to fight you. I'm not going to worry, uh, I promise. I'm just going to end up curled up in the fetal position. Um, it, with this offense, like you mentioned, obviously, you hit on all the, the players that are definitely a little bit more experienced or able to do more stuff offensively, just individually. But is there anything that you've noticed, and this is if you haven't been able to see enough games, that's understandable too, but – um, that seems different, like schematically on the offense, because I feel like there's been a little bit of some um, the way they're running the offense combined with the fact that they have some players that are potentially more able to make the most of situations. Have you seen any of that that might be something that can help us relax a little bit? Yeah, I mean, and, and I may be talking out of turn here, but I think the difference with this year's team is that. You know, obviously possessions and, and the time of possession really matter with the way that UVA wants to play. They want to, you know, keep the game and keep the possessions as limited as possible. You know, I think they go for like 60 possessions or something like that is the goal. Mm-hmm. And 
now they don't have to necessarily like they have the talent to match up with other teams so they don't have to necessarily play behind the eight ball and I think that you know you got ISO Jerome you got guy the the way that they're moving the ball and the motion and the offense and everything it seems like they're set up and they're not scared to, to miss a shot and be one and done and then have to go back and get behind the eight ball on, on defense and rely on the pack line it's, it's now they almost want to I mean they can score with with teams that are that are offensively you know talented and, and it, it's something that's different and mm-hmm. I, I just think those four guys I mean I mentioned Hall Hunter Jerome and Guy but the four of them I think they can I think they can score with anybody if they I mean there's if you put Guy or Jerome on a lot of teams in the country they could you know probably be on one of the best scoring offenses in the nation obviously yeah. that's not what Tony's about um, but I just think this year, I think Bennett believes in those guys. And I, I know he likes to joke around with Cal Guy and how great of a three-point shooter he is and all that sort of stuff. But I don't know. I just think there's a belief in the offense. And it used to just be, we're defense first. That's the primary yeah. goal. That's all we're about. And now I think they have the, the weapons now on offense to, to really make an impact, yeah. which is nice. I think a big difference I've seen is earlier, like you were you were saying, where Piranhas would have to be the guy, or before that it would have been Brogdon or Joe Harris. Uh, I think this year we've seen they've had those shooting slumps in games. Uh, they've had a player go cold for a whole game. But to have Hall, Hunter, and Ty and Kyle each step up in those games in different ways, you know, they're, they're, they're not relying on – uh, eat two of them each game. It's just like one or two of the four needs to be able to to put the the ball in the hoop successfully. And just say, I mean, Hunter's won them games recently in, yeah. in the league. Yeah. And so who saw that coming? You know, besides you, no Carolyn. Yeah, I don't think anyone saw that. I I, uh, I mean, I, I think even Devin Hall gets a bad rap too. I mean, I think a lot. He's kind of the lost guy in the in the whole situation. I mean, I just I just feel like when I watch all the old Virginia teams. When it came down, when push came to shove in the tournament, when everything gets tight and you need someone to get a basket, it ended up being one guy that we knew that had to get it. And you mentioned the names. Mm-hmm. I mean, Brogdon, Harris, Parentes, whoever it was, they had to do it. And we all knew that they were the ones that had to do it. Mm-hmm. And when you look at this team, I, I don't think Guy or Jerome are afraid of the moment. I, I know Ty Jerome is not afraid of the moment. <laughs> I know he's going to be fine. Um, but, I mean, even like Diakite coming off the bench, I think he does some great things for them. Mm-hmm. I, I've been a big fan of him. I mean, I know he doesn't play as much. He gets like, you know, 15 to 20 minutes at most. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, but then you have the leadership, you know, of the older guys. I mean, you have Salt and Wilkins who basically handle everything in the post. And we, we haven't even talked about how great of a defender Isaiah Wilkins yep. is. Yeah. I, I know a lot of people have pointed that out this year, how amazing he was unbelievable against Luke May in Carolina. I mean, yeah. he just shut down Luke May. Um, but with those two guys, too, in the post, it, it doesn't put the pressure on the perimeter to have to do everything because you have two guys who have been there before that know how to handle the situations. And I don't know. It just seems like the formula is there this year. And I, I don't yeah. want to get you guys too excited. I know, <laughs> I, I know that, uh, you know, you don't want to get start counting your thing. before they had. But uh, I, I really do like this team this year. And honestly, one of the things that's funny is part of it is like, yeah, you say like, oh, I don't want to get you too scared. But some of it is I need to recalibrate what I think is like maybe too much homerism. So this is helpful to like that. It's not just me with my orange and blue glasses on being like, this is the best team ever. So there's, (laughs) you know, validation. But and I think defensively, this is going to maybe annoy some people or scare some people. This might be the best defense Tony Bennett has had. And I never thought I'd say that about a non-Malcolm Brogdon defense, but I think the pieces individually, there's no one as strong as Malcolm, but as a group, um, there are just no weak points. And they've added, 
and I don't know if it was an emphasis or it's just kind of a, as the guys are learning, they're in the right places, but the steals have gone up dramatically. Um, they had 14 last night against Clemson. We can get in, into Clemson a little bit more in a second, but I, I think the defense, and you mentioned Isaiah, and, and he didn't just do it to Luke May to make you feel a little bit better, but he did a year to <laughs> And um, I forget who the other, he did to Ben Lammers a little bit. So really anyone yep. matches up against him. NC State's um, guy. Yeah, it's your 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 seven the best name of basketball. <laughs> yeah, Omir. Um, yep. But how how do you? I mean, we'll just go right into Clemson. Like the first, it went from a very stressful game to all of a sudden, well, that was easy. Uh, as they're handing out the, <laughs> the biggest pony of the season in the second half, holding Clemson to thirteen points in the last twenty six and a half minutes. Did you get a chance to watch much of that game, especially the second half? And what was your takeaway from them just putting a beat down on the Tigers? Yeah, so I'll be honest. I only watched the second half. So I, I don't know if it's just <laughs> me so. and I just make Virginia play great. Yeah. So uh, I, I will take full credit for that. Also, you mentioned the Tony. So we, we had this conversation yep. on our podcast when, when Virginia holds someone under 20 points in, in the half. What are we going to call it? Mark Titus uh, said he wanted to call it a Tony. I wanted to give Sammy Zaglinski some love, and uh, I, I like the Zag- Zaglinski line. It, it made me laugh. I feel like people forget about Sammy. Yeah. Do you guys is, is Sammy Zaglinski still beloved in Wahoo Land, oh. or have we moved on? He he was one of those frustrating guys where I think I think most most fans loved him because he was a five year guy, and yes. you know we weren't very good, and he, he won some games just by shooting lights out. Yeah. But I think he was also a fan favorite to to be like, ah, Sammy, what are you, uh, you know? So yeah, yes and no, but I feel like he's one of those guys that kind of bridged the gap between some of those tough years. Like, okay. he was, if I remember correctly, he was after he was a Lado guy. That yes, he was. I sure. don't think ever made it into Tony time. Did he? Uh, Did he? I think he had one year with yeah, Tony. I, I cool. may be wrong. I think he had one year with Tony. I think Tony's first year he was around. We'll, we'll get uh, to that but yeah, I, I, I just wanted to give it to him because, you know, first of all, I don't know if you guys know this, but watching Dave Lato at Virginia <laughs> was some of the were some of the times for me. You know, that's when I think about ACC <laughs> basketball. I have like this period where like Oliver Purnell was at Clemson, Dave Lato was at Virginia. You know, like that whole little swoon. Skip Prosser was at Wake Forest. Yep, yep. There was just a, a great time in ACC basketball before they expanded. Mm-hmm. So I, I have a little place, a little small place in my heart for Sean Singletary and Dave Lato. Yeah. Um, that I should say, uh, but yeah, I, I think with with this team, especially that Clemson game last night, um, you just see how ferocious they are on defense. And I mean, Clemson is a team that can score with a lot of teams. I mean, Elijah Thomas is, you know, I think they held him to what like two points or something. I mean, he was nowhere to be found in the second half. Um, Gabe DeVoe, I mean, he he's, I mean, he didn't do anything. I don't know. I just I watched that second half and I looked at that Clemson team, a team that. You know, shot. They made 15 straight shots against Carolina the other night when they were in Chapel Hill, and they couldn't even throw it in the ocean against Virginia. And it, it didn't even look like they had a shot in the game. Obviously, in that second half. So, I would just say, the the way that Virginia is playing right now. Obviously, we have the Duke game coming up. If you guys want to get in that a little bit, but yeah, yeah. I I just think they're primed to to really make a run. I, I don't necessarily know what the ceiling is, or or if there even is a ceiling with this team. But, um, yeah, that, that second half against Clemson, that's something that if you're an opposing coach, you put on that film and say, we cannot let this happen to us. We cannot get stagnant and let Virginia just hold us down like this because yeah. it's suffocating. I think some of the recent games have shown 
you know, the best way to beat Virginia. I mean, Wake Forest played them tough, and and it mm-hmm. it it eventually ended up being a blowout, and just like the Clemson game, sort of quickly did in the second half. But the first half, they were on point. I mean, they're out out one of their star scorers at the forward, but they're still doing the the right thing, which is getting the defense to stretch to the three-point line and getting past the initial guard for penetration and then being able to either lay it up or kick it out. It just hasn't worked for two halves for a team yet. Um, you know, the West Virginia game is their one loss, but I think West Virginia was just hitting, you know, step-back threes with a hand in their face all night. So I, I don't think it was really a blueprint for it. But Duke is... We do say, the- when you make shots, uh, sometimes it tends to work out for you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. West Virginia, that game, they, they made a lot of shots. It yeah. is helpful. <laughs> but Duke's probably, uh, I mean, easily the best offense that they've faced all year coming up on Saturday. So uh, I just don't know if their guards are going to be the right type that has given Virginia issues recently, but certainly the best scoring team. And Tate, yeah, when I, yeah, I go ahead, Carolyn, sorry. I was going to say, like you mentioned when listening to the podcast talking about Boston College, basically you've said all along is the deal is to, to double Bagley. Do you still think that's the blueprint? <laughs> and is that something, like, what do you do? Like, what does a team like Virginia do? And obviously, like, as much as I love Isaiah and Jack and, and Mamadi, like, Bagley and Carter are just outstanding. So what, if you're, if you're Tony Bennett, what do you do with Bagley in this situation? So uh, I don't know if you guys saw the Wake Forest Duke game last night, but what they did is exactly what I would do, and it did not work out for Wake Forest, but they basically (laughs) decided that they are going to let Wendell Carter beat them, Mm -hmm. and Wendell Carter did beat them last night. I think he had like 24 and 13 or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, I think that's sort of the the blueprint. I mean, I would put Isaiah on Bagley. I would just basically tell him, Isaiah, you're not even – don't even think about playing offense tonight. Your, your job, the way we win this game is you are guarding Marvin Bagley. All of your energy is going to be put on Bagley, and you're going to mm-hmm. just basically try to body him and be a bigger kid and, and try to show that, hey, it, there's a difference between an 18-year-old and a, what Isaiah is, what, 22, 21, something like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, so that, that's the best-case scenario. I like Salt on Carter. Um, I, I, I don't know if that's how they'll actually match it up, but that's pretty much what Wake did. They, mm-hmm. they let their, their, you know, they put their bigger guy on uh, on uh, Carter and – and, and Bagley, they, they just try to, you know, did their best to suffocate him as best they could. I, I think with Virginia and what they do on that pack line, I mean, there's a good there's a good argument to be made that they just need to help on the post. Like, if, mm-hmm. if you're a Kyle guy or if you're Ty Jerome and you see that entry pass um, from Duvall, just come down and try to help. Just try to put a hand in there. Try to knock a ball off his knee and get a quick turnover, something like that, just, just to frustrate him because, you know, Bagley – cannot be stopped but he can be stifled and he can get frustrated and I I think some of those things if you do it early especially um, you can get in his head a little bit Uh, but for the most part I mean you just got to go to Isaiah and say look in my opinion you're the best defender post defender in the ACC here's a game where you can prove it you you can win you can be all ACD all ACC defense if if you have a game against Marvin Bagley and shut him down because no one's been able to do it yet I mean Boston College did it to a certain extent but that was you know when you have Jerome Robinson and Kai Bowman you know one of the best one-two combo guard you know in in the whole ACC that that's what won them the game I mean as much as they tried to hold Bagley back that was what won them that game and uh yeah I I just I feel like this is the type of game that Duke wins and then everyone catapults them back to like number two in the country, unfortunately, <laughs> because yeah. that's just how they roll. Um, especially because Virginia has been on such a great win streak and, you know, obviously being an eight, no in the ACC is, is no joke. 
and having to take on Duke is obviously a big issue, um, especially in Cameron. I mean, it'll be 150 degrees in Cameron uh, when they take them <laughs> on for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I think Bagley, it's just, you can't let Duke have those big plays in Cameron where the, where they basically just light up the crowd, you know, the, the yeah. slap the floor moments where Bagley gets some breakaway, does a step over and slams it down on Jack Salt's face. And then everyone goes insane and <laughs> we get a TV timeout and yeah. coach K's fired up and, you know, Alex O'Connell's slapping the floor on the bench. And, you know, if you have those moments, uh, no, it, it's tough to overcome in Cameron. Yeah. I'm just seeing like Isaiah's third foul in the first half still, and then that's the other thing yeah. if they try to if if he does guard Bagley tough where he he's being physical with him on the block and you yeah. know the yeah. the officials in Cameron Indoor and TV Teddy Valentine's calling the game or something and, <laughs> and they get into that whole situation then we'll, we'll have a big problem but I don't know I, I do think it is a good matchup to just to see where Duke stands too because I, mm-hmm. I think they need a nice test um just to see where they're at right now. And, and Virginia's the perfect team to go in there. What Do you guys know what Tony's record is in Cameron Indoor? I don't know off the top of my head. He's never won in Cameron Indoor. Yeah, whatever never it won. is. That's whatever. what I thought. So they haven't won there since 1995, which is depressing to say out loud. Um, <laughs> wow. And fun fact, though, which we found out via Twitter last night, is the last time Virginia won at Cameron, the previous game they beat number 18 Clemson in Charlottesville. 61-37, which is a point off of what the score was last night. <laughs> now that is some good research. Yeah, so thanks to our really Twitter like users for doing this <laughs> for us. Um, but yeah, and we well, looked at it, last it, time. Well, Sorry, Kellen. Yeah, we no, that's okay. the, last, the last two times that we've, that Virginia's played at Cameron, so two years ago was the Grayson Travel no-call that he had <laughs> And four years ago was Suleiman putting up arguably the worst three-pointer attempt I've ever seen that hit on the far side of the rim and bounced straight up. Oh, yeah. So it's been yeah. it's been a brutal couple last times at, at Cameron. So I feel like the knock on wood, the basketball gods kind of owe us one, but I'm not sure what's going to happen. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I remember that Suleiman shot. You know what the funny thing about Cameron is? Whatever rim they're shooting on, the, the Duke Blue Devils, it seems like they loosen the rims, you know, whatever side they switch to in the half. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Someone needs to do some research on that. But that's probably <laughs> one of those examples. Uh, yeah, I didn't know it was 1995. That is way too long for yeah. um, for them not to have won in Cameron. That gives me some hope that there's some history on their side because that's just too long of a streak. Tony Bennett is the king of – you know, there's some sort of like they have him on some sort of plateau where he can't get above and he can't rise up and he can't get over some hump and somehow he does it. So I would love for him to get over the hump in Cameron Indoor. That it almost seems fitting when you give me all those stats. So I may I may go back and say I like UVA yeah. in this game as much as I, I thought Duke may have a, a chance. To, to, if Duke beats Virginia in Cameron Indoor, they'll probably be the number one team in the country somehow. So I, I can't deal with that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll try and do our part. Maybe. So. If Villanova drops one, who do you see? Even if they don't, they'll probably just throw them up. It just, yeah. you know. <laughs> Tate, who do you see um, as the other national teams that are going to compete for, for Final Fours? I mean, there's some obvious ones like Villanova, but t- to have Purdue up there, are they for real in your mind? Uh, even uh, Michigan State, you know, things that I, I, I struggle to bring up, but uh, certainly no one from the SEC, so. You know, is it is it the Big Ten? Is it the Big East? Yeah, I, I've had a I've had a tough time this year trying to gauge out uh, 
like the power conferences. I mean, we've seen mm-hmm. teams like Ohio State go undefeated so far in the Big Ten, which in my mind makes zero sense. But in Mark Titus's mind, you know, it, it makes a ton of <laughs> sense because Bates Diop is so amazing, apparently. I had no idea. <laughs> um, when I look at those top teams, I mean, I I have been saying, and I, and I personally believe just by watching them play, I mean, Villanova's dealing with some injuries now. I think Phil Booth is hurt. But I think Villanova is the best team in the country. Um, mm-hmm. I think Virginia is probably the second best team in the country, and I think that's what it is in the actual polls right now. And then from there, it's just a, a crapshoot, really. I mean, there's a lot of situations and scenarios I think that could play out. I'm still – some for some reason, I can't get over Arizona. I, I do like that Arizona team. I think with Aiton, they're a really tough matchup in the tournament. I could see them somehow squeaking their way into the Elite Eight and possibly to the Final Four. Um, Xavier and Cincinnati, I don't even, I don't even know how to explain those two teams, mm-hmm. but they somehow end up in the top 10 and stay in the top 10. <laughs> West Virginia, it just feels like a weird year where, you know, it's like a 2010 year where they could just end up in the final four. We're not really sure how, but they just pressed teams and it all worked out and they, they made their way to the final four. I don't think they're going to win a title, but I could see them squeaking into the final four. Duke is the team really that it just depends on where they get seated. If they become, a, if they get a one seed and they're in the South and, you know, things fall in their favor. Um, we saw it happen in 2015. Yep. It could have easily happened in 2017 last year. If, yep. if Duke ends up being the one seed by beating Carolina and Carolina's the two seed, then Carolina probably loses to South Carolina and Duke probably wins the title. You know, that's just <laughs> how things un- unfold. Um, so I think they're up in the conversation too. I don't think North Carolina's there. I don't think Oklahoma's there. Mm-hmm. I don't think Gonzaga is there. Um, a lot of people like Auburn. That's like the new trendy pick. People yeah. really like Auburn. I, I, you know, Bruce Pearl, you know, show me something other than, <laughs> you know, your big jackets and colored jackets or whatever he wears. Uh, Arizona State's another team that was up there at one point. I, I think they've pretty much fallen off the map. Um, yeah, so I, if I had to pick four right now, it's like my final four. It'd probably be Villanova, Virginia. Duke and West Virginia would probably be my four. So, and that bodes well to, to Virginia's, you know, their loss to sure. West Virginia because I think West Virginia is one of those teams that if they're not the best team in the Big 12, then, you know, they're right they're right there. They're 1A or 1B or whatever it is. Whatever those tiers are, they're, they're up there. I really thought this was going to be the year Kansas didn't win the Big 12, and that was like a fun, like, <laughs> week and a half that I <laughs> – I was I, I was so I lagging on Kansas. Like, they're trash. They're so bad. <laughs> they are. <laughs> don't 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 falter from that. They really are. But they have uh they figured out the Azabuki thing um a little bit. Like they have a little bit of a post presence. LeGerald yeah. Vick somehow can play the four for that team. I don't really mm-hmm. understand it, but he does. Um and I've always loved Devontae Graham, so I, I will never yeah. count out Devontae Graham, but I, I just don't see that Kansas team really making a run. They're they're sort of similar to Carolina in in that sense. I think they're a good team. They're gonna stay in the top twenty five all season for the most part of the I mean, definitely yeah. now at this point, but um, I, I just don't see them really making a run. I think Michigan State is the scary team, and I and if Michigan yeah. State's in Kansas's uh, side of the bracket us. again, I, I yeah, I will be very very upset because that's just unfair. Yeah. They're guaranteed um, but, to be in UVA's as like a, as a four or a seven or something. Like that. Like, <laughs> They're gonna I, be our ten seed again. I can't even deal. Yeah. <laughs> That's so terrible. That that really haunts me. That that seven two matchup was the worst thing ever that ever happened to UVA because that team was so great that year. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it was. Terrible. I still maintain that that game opened up the championship for UConn because the two that like that game between UVA and, and MSU at Madison Square Garden was just so brutal, like start to finish, and mm-hmm. they came out with no energy against UConn in the Elite Eight and just 
fell flat, but anyway, um, that's no, no, <laughs> talked about last year in Florida too while we're at it. Um, but we like to, we'll get, we'll let you get going here. I know you got tons of stuff to do and you're also in the past, um, on the West coast. So you <laughs> have like plenty of your evening ahead of you. Um, of so what we like to do is close out with a little bit of rapid fire, um, for our okay. guests. And so just some fun, quick questions. First thing that comes to your mind, usually if it's like a UVA person, we'll ask them UVA specifics things, but I've tailored it <laughs> in less specific related to Charlottesville. Have you ever been to Charlottesville, by the way? Have you been to a game at John Paul Jones? I have never been a game at John Paul Jones, but I've been to Charlottesville. Uh, I drove up there and walked around campus. This is when I was, whew, I don't even know. I was very young when I went, but uh, it was, it was like Chapel Hill and steroids. It was beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, I thought I remember how beautiful it was. They're very similar. You'll have to, yeah, you'll, it's definitely good to catch a game at JPJ. It was, it was lit last night to use the terminology of the kids. Um, <laughs> of the kids, yes, yes. For the kids and of the kids. Yeah. Hello, fellow cool. What is the hello, fellow children? Yes. Um, yes. Okay, so are you ready? Are you in the right mindset? I'm ready. Okay. I'm locked in. We'll start on a relatively fun, easy one. Who would win in a fight, Jack Salt or Ivan Drago? <laughs> oh. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Drago. I'm gonna go with Ivan just because he still scares me. Whenever I yeah. watch Rocky Four, it still it still scares me. So as much <laughs> as I like Jack Saw, I think he's too nice of a guy. Jack Saw, you know, he wouldn't kill you know someone. He he would just that's true. He, he would just yeah. end the fight like like a good gentleman. <laughs> <laughs> that is that's a good answer. Um, better car salesman, um, Calipari or Jamie Dixon? <laughs> Ooh. Definitely Coach Cal. That would, uh, that, he would be more upset for me saying that he was not a better, better car salesman than me saying that he's a bad guy. So I will say he's a better car salesman. You already mentioned um, James Michael McAdoo, my favorite three-name player ever in college mm-hmm. athletics. Who was the coolest athlete you were friends with while at UNC? Uh, John Henson. Definitely John Henson. John Henson is a very casual, low-key guy, very chill guy, but also – he is the biggest human being I've ever been around. And, and, and his arms, they just hang down past his kneecaps. I've never seen anything <laughs> like it. So definitely John Henson. All right, a little East Coast versus West Coast. Cookout or In-N-Out? Oh, definitely Cookout. In-N-Out yeah. is uh, very overrated. I, uh, <laughs> I don't even like to take people. People that come out to L.A., they all want to go to In-N-Out. It's like an hour wait. You, it, it's, it's not even worth it. It's cheap. The best thing about In-N-Out is it, it is very cheap, and there's not that – it's just not many options. Cookout, you can get a milkshake, you can get a plate. I mean, you can get a million things to cookout. You can get anything <laughs> you want. So definitely cookout. I'm with you on that. I do also think In and Out was overrated. Um, would you it rather is. be burdened to a life of Bob Huggins pullovers or Roy Williams <laughs> plaid blazers? Ooh. I don't think I could pull off the blazer look. I, I don't have the class of Roy Williams, so I'm going to go pullovers, and that's, that would just lead me to get fat. I could eat donuts all the time. It'd be great. So I'll go pullover. All right. All right. Last one. Who would you rather have as a wingman, Kyle Guy or Ty Jerome? Ty Jerome. No question. <laughs> Ty Jerome, you guys don't understand. Like, that is how I envision myself as a basketball player. That is the way the kid carries himself. He is – he is by far my favorite player in the ACC. I am very biased towards him. I defend him at all costs. Um, I'm Team Iso Jerome. Uh, I always yeah. ask, "What would Jerome Rome think?" And uh, <laughs> you would think, "Get buckets." Did that start with the Villanova game last year? Yes, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. That, that's as soon as I knew. I mean, I, I I watched him when he got when he was getting recruited. I heard that you know I heard the name and you know I always look at the ACC teams who they're who they're recruiting and I watched him play and I liked the way he played, but I had no idea he had all this inside of him. So I love Ty Jerome. 
You should, I don't know if you have, but I definitely recommend, I don't usually recommend like player post-game interviews, but the, uh, mm-hmm. anytime you have Kyle, Ty, and Isaiah, or Kyle and Isaiah, um, it's, it's usually worth the like three minutes of whatever post-game video. Because uh, I think I, I, think I yeah, I saw him one time say, like, they asked him if he was, like, hesitant to take a shot, and he was like, yeah, I'm never hesitant. No. Like, yeah. <laughs> and it's that was like the best answer I saw. Of, like, confident cocky, where it's like, mm-hmm. they're really nice kids, and then they still are like – there was a point last night in the second half when Ty just was like, yeah, I'm going to shoot it from here. He had taken, like, one shot in the game and missed it, and he was like, here's good, and just drilled it over his back. He's the best. He's the best. I, I love Kyle Guy, too. We have a whole segment dedicated to Kyle Guy, yep. so I, I don't want to slight him, but I still am Team Jerome. Yeah, absolutely. That's fair. Those we appreciate all- the segment. We're, we're big fangirls and boys here at Chicken the Line of, of the One Shining podcast, mainly because we like it when people talk about how much they love UVA basketball, and, and, <laughs> and we're very defensive about the media as a fan base hating our slow pace. Um, and by we, I mean other UVA fans, because I don't give a shit. But anyway, uh, we'll let you go, Tate. Uh, we, we are so appreciative of your time and, and having you on. Um, please tell uh, Titus that we say hello and um, remind him of who we are, because we know he's big and famous now. But uh, he's a friend of the podcast, and we, we uh, would love to have you back whenever. Absolutely. He said he will come on the podcast. I don't know when, but I know he's been on before. And I will say this. Uh, I have a UVA 1982-1983 poster that's on my wall in my bedroom oh, uh, with like yeah. Rick Carlisle and Terry yeah, Allen, yeah. all those guys. Oh, and, those uh, old 90s posters were the best. It's, it's the best poster ever. I don't know if anyone's ever seen that, but it, for the Virginia fans, just look that up and reminisce about how great Ralph Sampson was because he's one of the best <laughs> of all time. It does not get the credit for it. That's very true. All right, and uh, we'll close things up. Remind all our listeners to uh, check out Tate, uh, uh, One Shining Podcast on The Ringer. Um, and uh, stay tuned to Streaking the Lawn for Duke coverage in the Duke game Saturday afternoon. And until then, for Caroline and the rest of the folks here, go Hoos. happy forever after right now get a one dollar small coffee and a two dollar sausage mcmuffin with egg from the one two three dollar menu prices and participation may vary cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal wherever you go however you go for energy on the go it's got to be five hour energy it works fast it works long it tastes good and with zero sugar and four calories there's nothing holding you back fits your pocket fits your backpack fits your on-the-go life whether you're going to work going on vacation or just going out with friends five-hour energy energy on the go for more information visit fivehourenergy.com